Hey friends, thanks so much for tuning into the Inner Revolution podcast. Are you ready to be changed? Well, let's go. Today, friends, we have a special guest with us, uh, Pastor Jack Wheatley, and very excited to have him along with us. He's a pastor in Chicago, and he and I went to Bible school together. And he's a dad of how many kids do you have, Jack? Three. Three awesome kiddos, his wife, Nicole. And I've asked him to come uh, to talk to us today, uh, talking a little bit about our history. We're seeing a lot of um, our history coming under fire. We're seeing uh, people canceled out that really were the bedrock or the foundational parts of of our history that we can enjoy today, the liberties and freedoms that we hold dear. And I always love talking to Pastor Jack Wheatley because he has a real handle and appreciation for uh, our history that really impacts our today and and really our tomorrows. So Pastor Jack, great to have you today and uh, share what's ever on your heart uh, that we've talked about and whatever God leads you to talk about. Thanks, Pastor Jason. Well, um, let's always interesting to hear the wisdom that comes on a daily basis many times we don't know uh, where it'll come from sometimes we don't know how important events are in our day and how they'll be viewed in the future and uh, there's seminal moments that maybe you even just saw as a regular day but when I was doing my uh, Bible college practicum type of uh work with you and in reach and i just can remember this quote from you that like i've even used in the last week where you say right this is just like a pithy statement and sometimes you're like holy cow that's that's wisdom right there and i can remember uh we're trying to draw the line of how far do we extend ourselves and i remember you saying um we bring jesus two people as their savior we cannot be their savior and so that was a great line of delineation where if i'm trying to do the work rather than offering up jesus to someone then there's a problem there so that was a great thing that you uh shared with me and then another you thing you shared that was simply amazing was that i can only have an output that's less than or equal to uh, the input that I receive from God. So I can't do anything in the kingdom unless I've first received from the king. And I think when we ask, how do we preserve history from an objective point of view, which was your question to me in uh, like maybe a greater context than how can we just keep America, America, or what is even America? And is this applicable globally and throughout all history and i think it's it's very important and uh especially in american culture today we don't even know how to view things and it's almost scary how prescient uh george orwell's writings in 1984 actually are and he had this specific quote those who control the present control the past and those who control the past control the future so if we were to say why do we even care about history and 
preserving history, why do we study history in the first place? Well, we're saying those who control the past control the future. If I understand my past, then the future, I understand where I'm going and what I'm going into the future with. And uh, this isn't just uh, an American experience. If we look in First uh, Kings chapter 12, you see where there's this shift change, right? Just as we just had a shift change in administrations here in America, you have the shift change of kings, slightly different for sure, uh, how you change kings and presidents. But so, um, uh, King Rehoboam, he con he's coming in after his father, the, the great wise one, right? If you were to speak of any to anybody in uh, Israel at that time of Solomon in all of his glory, just having built the temple during his reign, people would say Israel is on the rise. Israel is at the top. Israel has nowhere to go but to be a leading power of the world. And it was a decision by King Rehoboam that rather than providing unity, broke up the kingdom and splintered it. And we say, what was it that happened? And how was this decision so bad that King Rehoboam had? First, he consulted with the wise men. It says the old men that stood before Solomon, his father, while he yet lived. And he asked them, how do you advise that I may answer the people, he says in 1 Kings 12, 6. And they, they said, hey, um, if you will be a servant unto these people this day and will serve them, answer them and speak good words to them, then they will be your servants forever. So, he, you know, he, he's, they're giving them wise counsel and... Um, but what happened? We see in verse eight, it says he forsook the counsel of the old men, uh, which they had given him. And they, he consulted with the young men that were grown up with him, which stood before him. So here we see that the, the frame of reference is completely off with what King Rehoboam chose in terms of his view. He only had the view of what his generation had, and um, it was very limited, and it actually led to the separating of the kingdom. So that was, that was bad. So we don't want to do that, and there's another reason why we want to preserve history. See, if we had preserved the history and what the old men that were successful in um, consulting uh, King Solomon he could have continued and learned, and maybe he would be able to add, right? We come to a, we all, we know um, from the writings of Paul to the church at Corinth that we should go from glory to glory, that we should come to an ever clearer picture of how we reflect Jesus Christ as the church. But uh, what Rehoboam did is just completely threw it out. And so that's the first thing that we have to understand is if we throw it out, it will be from our destruction. And uh, this is what Hosea writes in Hosea 4, 6. It says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I will reject you. 
And so this is um, a very important uh, springboard or a context for us to understand uh, how we walk because our history is very important. He says that um, I've told you things, these things before they've come to pass so that when they do come to pass, you will know that I, uh, oh my goodness, how did I just have the brain fart, right? That you knew that these words were from God, right? Because they were told beforehand. And then when you actually try to put them into practice, it, it came to be. And so this is an important thing in terms of an objective point of view and why to preserve history. So I think we've got the good thing about why do we study history in the first place, right? We don't want to be destroyed. We don't want to make mistakes and cause divisions. And so the, the important thing there from that point is, well, how do I learn history? Well, from the standpoint of what we saw in uh, King Rehoboam, he could have went to those that were before him. Maybe they've studied. They could provide insights. And um, we can do so ourselves. We're, we're mandated as Christians. When Paul writes to Timothy that we should be a workman, talks about being a workman of the truth. So certainly the, the Bible is important most important, but then to see the Bible employed by um, people in history and see that it works and that it's works marvelously, right? Um, let's see. When you look in history, we, we find that the Continental Congress at the very beginning of our country, they called uh, the whole country itself to prayer and fasting at least 15 times during the revolutionary time period, right? So what we're saying there is, have I ever heard that in school? <laughs> like, I've never heard that in school. Well, where do you hear that from? And the question would be like, why didn't I hear it in school, right? So what are we saying? Like, there's, there's people that you should go to that are reliable sources? And then can I be a workman myself where I go to look to sources, right? So if we were to look at uh, an experience that I had, um, well, just today, you know, I, I shared with Pastor Jason, um, was, it, was that yesterday? Or actually for the pastor's prayer group, so at Greater Grace World Outreach, we've got like 30 pastors that pray every uh, Monday morning or evening, excuse me, but on Monday mornings, I try to send them uh, something to encourage them. And it's, it's, it's Black History Month, which is very uh, important in a time set aside. But there, there's, I uh, wrote something here that I, I went to, to study Lemuel Hayes. Who's ever heard of Lemuel Haynes? Very little people. And I heard it for the first time like here's a, someone that was uh, abandoned at five years old. Um, he had a black father, a white mother, abandoned. White family takes him in in Massachusetts. They raise him to the age of 21 years old. And then when he's 21 years old and he gets his freedom, 
he goes to fight for the cause of the American Revolution. And then after that, he goes and he becomes a pastor of an all-white congregation. And that's like some cursory information that, I've, that I heard, right? I'm like, well, I want to go search for more about who is this Lemuel Hayes. Hey, we know where to get true wisdom from. And all we have to do is Google it or search it on YouTube, right? And then you, you find it. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. So what, uh, <laughs> what I ended up finding was there was, it looked like great promise, a promising YouTube video that was about Lemuel Hayes, like 40 minutes long. I'm like, man, I'm really going to get some good information about this guy. I'm going to learn about history, right? So here's a pastor. God bless him. If, uh, if he hears this podcast later, um, he, he, I, I'll give him this. At least he committed himself to speak of the founding fathers in July every year for his congregation. Right. So that that's a laudable goal. Right. But the problem is Jeremiah speaks of that. There's pastors who don't do well as um, shepherds because they're not studied and they actually lead the people astray. So when I was listening to this guy, he was actually speaking from a point of ignorance. Like he was an ignoramus in certain things. Like if you're going to study history and you're going to give it to the people, you should actually verify what you're looking at, right? So he was, he started off by speaking about the Declaration of Independence, which was um, well, which is now the oldest living and still actionable um, government document, right? Like, so that document has been ongoing, effective for America for 243 years. That's the oldest ongoing document that's still in existence. The average lifespan of a document being the operational foundation for a country is really 17 years, right? France um, has had more than 15 constitutions, Venezuela more than 25. Um, Poland has had seven in the 20th century alone, seven different constitutions. So here this pastor was trying to speak of what was so great about, about the constitution, but then he did a disservice to it. He, he puts up like a, a word, unalienable. And then he's like, here, I'm gonna define it for the congregation. And he says, it's on, it's on the inside of you. You just know it. It's in your DNA. That's what he said was like unalienable, right? Well, wh what are you talking about, guy? Like, did you actually look to see if you're speaking about the... Uh, the 1700s, did you actually look to a, a dictionary that had the definition of that word for that time? And actually, actually, when we look at unalienable, well, first, where, where does that even come about in the, uh, in the Declaration of Independence, right? Maybe that context would even be helpful, right? Um, second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence, it says, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. 
and that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? So he was saying, we as a country, to preserve our current status, we have to understand the greatness of what this Declaration of Independence actually communicates, right? So how do you get an objective view of history? Because here this pastor was looking at it in you know the year 2015, and trying to help his congregation in a context. Well, what did he do? He took what he thought or what someone told him, and this is what he wanted to say to the congregation about what the definition was of an un, in, unalienable. And so that's where he gets on the, it's on the inside of you, you just know it. But the real definition is it cannot, this is something that cannot be transferred. It cannot be separated from your very essence, right? So it's true that it's on the, in, maybe on the inside of you that like God has given you things, but it's like, you don't just know it. It's something that has been given to you. You have been endowed, right? Like a, a special benevolent blessing from the sovereign, the creator, he's given it to you. It's part of your existence and you can't even transfer it to another person, right? Like you should not even be able, the, the, the um, Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary says, as land is alienable according to the laws of the state, like here, I can transfer my state from one per, from my land from one person to another person, I can give it. What they're, what they're actually communicating is God's giving you something and you can't even give it to somebody else. Like you should hold it and use it to all that you can. And it was like, then he went further. And then he says, liberty. He says, oh, this means that you can speak, choose, and be what you want. Like you talk about a postmodern definition for what liberty is or subjective truth definition of what liberty means. I can speak whatever I want, I can choose whatever I want, or I can be whatever I want. Here's someone that's preaching to his congregation, and he's actually misrepresenting it, right? Like, God bless him for his heart, but liberty, and he even used uh, the, the scripture about, like, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, Imagine that. And then saying, well, you have liberty. That means you can speak, choose, and be whatever you want. You're crazy. Like, it means that I have the power to do or not do a particular action according to the determination or the thought of my mind. And that I would do it in alignment to what is true. That's liberty that I know to do or not do the right thing. And so there's some examples there of how you maintain it, an objective point of view in history is that yes, you listen to others that have been before you and what they have to say, but then you've got to verify it yourself, right? So that's very important. And we, we have to recognize and fight for what has been given to us.
And I, I didn't, you know, people, we, we, we talk about the ills. I think this is maybe even the, the genesis of this whole conversation with you and I. And I don't know if you still got time and you still want to have me do the diatribe here or, or monologue, so to speak. But like we're, we are, um, we're 4% of the population, the, the population of America. But we produce more of the world's patents, of the world's copyrights, of the world's um, plays, books, but we're only 4% of the population. We're 4% of the population, but we produce 25% of the world's GDP. Um, the World Bank says that uh, the true level of poverty, which more than 50% of the population live on, is $1.25 a day. 25% um, of the population, an additional 25% of the world's population lives on $2 a day. So that's 75% of the population, or that's $730 a year. But you know what the poverty line in America is? $47,000. That's the poverty line for us. I mean, that's orders of magnitude greater than what the rest of the, um, the world has. So we see that there's these measurements that, that something special has happened in America. But what we have to recognize is that there's an assault that would take this away. It's an assault that we would leave what has been passed on before us or that we would begin to think wrongly about what it is. Um, we spoke about like, okay, so um, <clears throat> I'm reading a history book and the, the person that's writing the history today, do I go back in their, their bibliography? Do I see what their end notes are? Do they actually provide substantiation? And if they provide substantiation, are they referencing a book that was written in the 1960s or 70s? Or are they going to a book that was written in the 1930s? Or are they even going to like contemporary documentation to the time period of the history in which they're writing, right? So when we hear that um, we are a greedy nation that only wanted to make money and that it's only been uh, because of white privilege and white supremacy. Hey, let's evaluate that, right? Objectively, like what was and what actually happened at the beginning. We should have a debate about it and we shouldn't be afraid to speak about it. We should be able to go back to people and such as um, Calvin Coolidge on the 150th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence. He has a speech that's, out of this world and at the very end of it he's talking about the forefathers he said that they came to certain conclusions and decided upon certain courses of action which have been a great blessing to the whole world he says before we can understand their conclusions we must go back and review the course they followed we must think the thoughts they thought he said their intellectual life centered around the meeting house meaning the church, their intellectual life centered around the church, 
they were intent upon religious worship. He said they were a people who came under the influence of a great spiritual development and acquired a great moral power. He says, there's no theory that is adequate to explain or comprehend the Declaration of Independence, but that truth. It was the spiritual product. It was the product of a, the spiritual insight of those people. He says, then further, we live in an age of science of abounding accumulation of material things. He said, these, this accumulation of material things did not create our declaration. Our declaration created them. The things of the spirit come first. Unless we cling to that, all our material prosperity, overwhelming though it may appear, will turn to a bearing scepter in our grasp. And I think that's the temptation and that's the precipice when, that we're on almost now is that we could have this scepter just even we would release it from our grasp because we never want to hold truths to be self-evident any longer. And the only way we do that is to keep that um, objective viewpoint of history. Pastor Jack, that's amazing. Like just listening to you, I mean, you have such a good understanding of our history and, uh, you know, just hearing just even back at the Continental Congress, just the way that they were God fearing men, our foundations uh, based in the Bible, just really God fearing men, even Noel Webster, the, the dictionary there, he's practically a theologian, you know, and uh, just for a few minutes, uh, you said a couple of things and I see our need for to be a clear educator, uh, because so many that are coming up behind us don't really understand our history. They think that we live in entitlement or that economics was our drive, but really our foundation was based in truth in the Bible and uh, really with the move of the spirit. But you said two things. We have two dangers. We can either leave it because we forget its importance. We pick up something else or we think wrongly about it. And I think that's where we are in our cancel culture. We're thinking wrongly about the blessing and gifts of freedom and liberty. Do you want to speak a few minutes more about that? We, we have a little bit of time. Oh, sure. Yeah. So this is, this is kind of like the, the virus that is meant to kill America is this whole thing that it was built upon European white men who proclaimed um, who, when proclaiming that all men are created equal, and this is actually uh, even what that same pastor was speaking about, that, and he he was kind of almost discounting it, and it's that when the writers of the Declaration of Independence said uh, all men are created equal, that they didn't mean all men, and that the, the tragedy of of that was um wow i need to send that the tragedy of that let, let me know if this doesn't uh, if the uh the audio cuts out pastor jason because i'm going back to that quote that i sent to you um because then we can just discount everything else that they've done because uh if if they didn't care about all people and then they just 
writing things and it's a lie, uh, why did they even have this here? Was this just for show? And um, we, we see that uh, even in the national uh, museums, there's a, there's a section of the Smithsonian that talks about what white privilege actually is and then speaks about how um, they didn't mean that all men were created equal. And they even talk about, hey, we had this whole confederacy where people fought. They fought so that they could keep slavery, so that they could keep what the whole founding of the nation was all about. And so what, what we find or what we should find, like, hey, you, Pastor Jason, and, I, and you and I, we're going to go investigate and see really what happened at that time period. Like what really happened during uh, the time of the, whether you call it the war of northern aggression, whether you call it the civil war, um, we had a separation of the northern states and the southern states. And the southern states, if the all men are created equal phrase was meant only for white European men, then it should have been the south that would hold the founding fathers up as their great standard bearers. And that they were the ones like, we are going to uphold what this country was founded on. But when we um, look at the cornerstone of the confederacy speech that was uh, spoken by Alexander we find that wow okay I thought I put my we find that um, this is what he says he says our new constitution puts at rest forever the agitating questions relating to our peculiar institution African slavery as it exists among among us he says Jefferson had anticipated this as, quote, the rock upon which the union would split. He was right. What was conjecture with him is now a realized fact. But whether he fully comprehended the great truth upon which this rock stood and stands may be doubted. He said the prevailing ideas entertained by him, that being Thomas Jefferson, and most of the leading statesmen at the time of the formation of the Constitution were that the enslavement of the African was in violation of the laws of nature, that it was wrong in principle, socially, morally, and politically. It was an evil they knew not how well how to deal with, but the general opinion of the men of that day was that somehow or other in the order of providence, the institution would pass away. Like, th that's an amazing admission right there. Like, basically, it says that the general opinion of the men of that day was that it was wrong in principle, socially, morally, and politically. And they're saying also the leading statesmen of that day said that it was in violation of the laws of nature. So here we have Alexander Stevens saying, hey, when the founding fathers wrote, that all men were created equal, they meant it. And they were going to find a way. It was a sticky situation. It was an uncomfortable situation. But what they knew was that all men needed to be treated equally.
Now, so what was Alexander Stevens promoting? He was promoting the cutting edge scientific viewpoint of the people of that day, just like Rehoboam, right? He consulted with the people of his day and then they decided upon a course of action, right? So uh, Alexander Stevens uh, was referencing Charles Darwin's theory of the origin of species. So isn't that, that was amazing revelation, right? Like the Confederacy, they thought that they were on the cutting edge of scientific knowledge and they were using Darwinian evolution as a predicate to say, we can enslave other races. What was immoral was that we would enslave our own race. And yeah. so, wow. That, yeah. I mean, it's amazing just listening, just seeing how the, uh, the peg or the place where truth was once uh, secure has been moved. That pendulum just kind of moves and that situa situational ethics begin to take over what is culturally approved, what is popular in culture. But um, you mentioned earlier that we need to verify our truth. Like what you're doing, you're giving these um, with Stevens there, you're giving an exam example of the context of, of when things were said and why they were said and for what purpose they were said. And I think in our cancel culture, even spiritually speaking, we have to be very careful to always go back to the original meaning, the, the heart of the Bible, because our nation as really the last frontier of freedom uh, really was blessed because of, of our our worship to God. I mean, people fleed Europe to come here for religious freedom, and God blessed us to have a nation that promoted the gospel. And now we see a real slide um, in that in that regard. You know, just in the last closing minutes, Pastor Jack, how can we preserve our history uh, as a Christian nation? And and really, how does that how does that happen <laughs> as an individual? Let's say you as a dad or as a, as a pastor. And uh, I've known you for years, a dear brother, and you've always been uh, just very passionate about this. So how, you know, how, how would our listener actually, you know, preserve freedom for his own family? Well, I would say that it, it's not just uh, a life of convenience. A life of convenience is a life without meaning and it's a life without effort. And so really when we live this life of convenience, uh, we're taken advantage of by those who would want to use the fruits of our labor for their own ends, right? So we see even in communication, one with another, when we share, we most, mostly we preface it, I feel. And so we find that even, uh, Christians that uh, rather than thinking we're feeling. So what we're having is we're having this uh, oppressive or spirits pressing on us and having us react without actually assessing, does it really come into alignment with the truth? So the first thing is you have to look for the receipts and then share the receipts with others. So that means finding what was actually 
said and what was actually written and know that there are people that are in direct opposition to it. So um, Edward Langell is like the foremost authority on George Washington. But unfortunately, because of his postmodern subjective truth uh, worldview, he is uh, doing a disservice to George Washington. And I had the privilege to share a breakfast and a lunch with this gentleman. Um, and I got to ask him some questions. Like I read some uh uh, books about George Washington. I certainly don't have <laughs> all the letters that he wrote, even the um, uh, the actual artifacts. So I had read one particular event that happened during the French and Indian War, where uh, George Washington's coat was pierced by five bullet holes, front and back, while it was on George Washington. But George Washington sustained no um, mortal wound or no wound of any kind. And I thought that that was a proverbial, you know, like American myth. And so I asked him if it was actually true. And he said, to my ast astonishment, yes, it's true. He said, in fact, that one of the first things that people came to see when they met George Washington, like foreign powers, is he showed off that very coat when he was saved by God supernaturally and i asked edward langle so what does that mean for you what does that mean for me and he says oh you can think about it whatever you want to and i said no sir you can't do that you know that george washington wrote more than anything he said he liked to use the phrase super the the great superintender or supreme providence, or the supreme judge of the world, that he was, uh, if a, if a um, chaplain wasn't present, he actually preached to the soldiers. And so uh, we have to find the receipts, but then also we have to understand that there are people that will purposely misrepresent what was actually true, and we must call them to account uh, when they tried to speak untruths. And it pains me to have to say that and even call out the gentleman's name, but that is absolutely what he said to me. It was completely wrong. And George Washington in his uh, inaugural address said, there is no other nation in the world that has been more blessed by supernatural events that caused the actual uh, founding of this nation. So we of all other people in the earth should give him praise. Amen. Yeah. yeah. So astounding. No, I mean, just hearing it, it's like when you know the truth, the truth sets you free. I mean, our nation is certainly not without mistakes along the way, but when we point back to the, the foundation, you know, I think of what's the psalmist said, if the foundations be removed, what will the righteous do? And that's what's happening. Our foundations are trying to be, revised and dismantled but i love the analogy that you gave a few minutes ago about the scepter don't let go of the scepter don't let it fall in the grass don't lose the importance of what we've been given uh, because there's a systematic plan 
to uh, to steal our freedom. And I think we see that even in the Gospels, uh, Jesus would just address that. And also in the epistles, where it was like, again, you know, people people slipped in secret secretly to spy out their liberties. And, and I feel like that's where we are today. But um, thanks for being with us, Pastor Jack. I mean, we could go on for hours here, but uh, I think yeah. you really uh, helped us today, uh, again, to understand what we have, because if we don't understand what we have, then we might just give it away, not seeing its value, and then not use it in the appropriate way. But um, really, we're a nation that was built on biblical principles, and that's really uh, what the devil's fighting against today. Amen. I mean, all we have to do is go right to the receipts, right to the documents. Teachinghistory.org is a great um, resource that that uh, archives many uh, important historical speeches. Uh, David Barton's wallbuilders.com is another ex uh, means by which you could uh, do some more of your uh, own uh, research yourself. And um, there's, there's many others. You, you, you do your homework, you look, and you'll find a whole lot. Yeah, you mentioned wall builders. That's excellent, David Barton. You know, I, I have a seven-year-old son, and, and in his private school, he, you know, speaks the or recites the Pledge of Allegiance. And, you know, you know I just pray that just with all the, uh, the scrutiny going on, you know, even in some sports arenas, they won't even do the anthem anymore because of uh, controversy and, you know, the pledge being hate speech eventually. You know, these are, these are real potentials, but uh, thank God that we can be preservers of godly history uh, and men of God, you know, men of God that, that sacrificed and gave their lives uh, for the freedoms that we so much enjoy. Pastor Jack, I have to let you go, my dear brother. Thank you so much and great, great words today of encouragement. It was a great time. And uh, if we continue to hold to these truths as self-evident, there's a great and bright future. Uh, every generation has to find uh, what the truth is, and then they have to propagate it to the next future. Otherwise, we go of the way of King uh, Rehoboam. So thank you much. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, he that controls the past controls the future. Thank you, friends, for joining us at the Inner Revolution podcast. And we uh, invite your comments. And uh, thanks so much for listening. God bless you. Thanks, friends, for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And subscribe so that you don't miss an episode.